According to the CDC, an estimated 40% of children with autism spectrum disorder are considered to be nonverbal. That means that as many as 40% of children working through potential challenges related to autism are trying to do so without the full use of vocal language to help them. I've seen it stated that as many as 70% of childhood behavior problems come from a child not being able to adequately express their needs or their desires. I've also had the opportunity to work directly with many of these pre-verbal children who were unable to learn to communicate through spoken word for many years, but we have found a way to guide them to increase language ability using the verbal behavior approach to the science of behavior analysis. So over the next two weeks, I'd like to do a deep dive into the way that I've been helping children both with and without a diagnosis of autism who struggle with language learn how to talk on the Just 7 Steps podcast. Welcome to the Just 7 Steps podcast with Robert Schramm, a board-certified behavior analyst, educator, author, and developer of the 7 Steps to Successful Parenting. For more than 20 years, Robert has been teaching parents and professionals how to support children in developing the values and priorities necessary to live a successful life. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the biggest experts in the fields of education, parenting, and behavior analysis. So buckle in and get ready for a wild ride where you'll learn to be your best in just seven steps. Hi. I'm Robert Tram, a behavior analyst, an education specialist, an author, and a dad. And each week I share strategies to help you find the path to real progress for your kids, especially those who may be struggling. Communication is such an important factor in our lives. It is how we gain the things that we want, share our thoughts and our feelings, connect with others, and keep from feeling so alone on this rock that is floating around in space. The ability to communicate vocally with others is one that tends to develop quite naturally in most typical children. In fact, having worked to specifically teach children who had not previously learned how to talk, I was blown away by how quickly and easily my own neurotypical children picked up language. They would come up with words that I had no recollection of them ever hearing, and they would use them correctly. I was sure that there was no way they could have heard that word in context more than maybe once before they added it to their expressive language repertoire. Conversely, I've worked with children who needed to hear a word in context 5, 50, 500, or even 5,000 times before it would be something they could use for themselves. And regardless of what that amount of productive experience the child needed to have in order to develop a new language skill, it was always up to us, their teachers and guides, to help them get that experience as quickly as possible in a positive and fun way. As a behavior analyst, I am well-trained in the basic principles of behavior and have a large canon of research that suggests how I can use those principles of behavior to guide my education attempts with people I've been asked to help. Additionally, as a practitioner of verbal behavior, I've come to consider myself a bit of an expert on the concept of motivation. As a motivation specialist, I have a set of tools that allow me to put children in positive situations that would give them the reasons they need to put effort into learning skills that might be of challenge to them or even be considered to be hard work. It is because of this that I have been able to be extremely successful over the years in helping children learn to say their first sounds, their first word approximations, their first multi-word statements, and even become what is considered conversational. There's another profession 
uh, that focuses specifically on helping people to improve their vocal skills, and that is the profession of speech and language pathology. And I personally have never found behavior analysis and speech and language to be in competition with each other. In fact, I've worked hand in hand with many very talented speech and language therapists over the years, helping to maximize children's language potential. I found that the training that SLPs go through is clearly very useful and supportive of the goals of helping preverbal children to begin to learn to talk. In fact, there are some areas that I rely on from an SLP field to help me be the best that I can in supporting an individual's path to spoken language. I find SLPs to be very good at identifying the types of sounds that may be easier for a child to make, creating an order of goal focus. I find that SLPs are generally good at prompting children to find the motor movements necessary to make new sounds. They have a very nice grasp on helping children with pragmatic language, and many times I've found them to be quite gifted in teaching social skills and pretend play. I've seen some struggle, however, when it does come to the development of a path forward for kids who are completely non-vocal and showing little motivation or desire to want to learn how to speak. I find that this is where a behavior analyst with a strong VB background like myself can be an important team member. Remember, it's very hard to get someone to learn something that they don't want to learn or don't see the benefit of putting the necessary effort into the process of learning. Now, this can often be the case with children who have not developed language naturally uh, and have stalled with physical gestures such as pointing or grunting or taking mom's hand to the items that they want to have. If you want to teach your currently pre-verbal child to speak, there is certainly a path to walk down to get there that many, if not most, parents and professionals are just not aware of. At Canospa ABA, the autism support service that my wife and I have run in Germany since 2003, we've helped hundreds and hundreds of children learn to say their first words, and the process is pretty much always the same. It was developed by a great understanding of the basic behavioral principles with a prioritization of the verbal behavior literature, including a motivational understanding of the behavioral classification of language. Now, over the next two episodes of the podcast, I'm gonna share with you exactly what this process is so that you can use this information to help you find people who can do the same for you if this is among your needs for your child. Communicating through spoken language involves two separate but important skills. The first is the ability to produce individual and eventually complex sounds. The second is the ability to produce sounds under important but differing functions. For a child to learn to produce sounds, it may take a lot of practice and consistent motivation. And the way that we motivate a child to practice making sounds is through something called verbal imitation. We take a child who cannot currently make sounds on request, and we give them three things in order to be able to verbally imitate. First, the understanding that when we say a word, like say something, we want them to try to make the sound that comes after our words say. For example, I look at a child and I say, say, ah. Somehow I have to get the child to realize that repeating that sound is actually the thing that I'm looking for. And next, we have to start with simple sounds for the child to make. And finally, we have to find a meaningful way to reinforce the behavior of copying or imitating our sounds whenever it does occur. Often one of the biggest sticking points for a child who is not able to imitate even very simple sounds is that nobody's been able to show them that making an imitative sound is even what it is that we're looking for. Just because I stare at a child and I say, say, ah, it doesn't mean that the child knows what I want them to do. 
for many of these children, their receptive language skills are just not complete enough to know what the word say even means. So to gain this first step, we might need the help of a little bit of healthy frustration. What I mean by this is we will have to find a motivating, fun experience that a child would clearly like to have or do. And then we need to make that available to them for free so that they're aware that we can give them this activity whenever it's desired. And for many early learners, tickling or swinging them in a blanket or bouncing them on a ball might be an activity that they would enjoy and like to see continue. For others, though, food items or video games might be the most valued motivators. Regardless, we want to use what we think will be the strongest reinforcers for the beginning aspects of language development. Vocal language can be hard to learn for a child, and it cannot be physically prompted. And therefore, the stronger the motivation you have working for you, the better. And once we know what types of motivators have the most value to us, we can begin to give the child access to them. And at some point, when they want the item more or they want it again, we can ask them to say their first echoic sound. Now, this is where a speech and language pathologist can be of help. They can help you to identify the easiest sounds for the child to make. As with anything, we always want to start as easy as possible. And I found through working with many speech pathologists that the basic ah sound, the vowel sound ah, is going to be the easiest for most kids. It doesn't take any special shaping of the mouth or the tongue. So this is often the first sound that I would go for. However, if a child is currently making any sounds reliably during play, it might make sense to use that sound uh, that you know that the child can make as your first goal, and then just give them a good reason to make that sound under echoic control. Getting sounds under echoic control is not always an easy task, though. When a child has demonstrated no other forms of imitation skill, it might make sense to start them off with some motor imitation that you can prompt and then fade those prompts before starting with vocal imitation goals that cannot be physically prompted. However, when you feel the child should be able to make a sound and just needs to learn to do so on request, you can begin your verbal imitation practice. To do this, begin to engage in your highly motivating game or activity with your child. Practice stopping the activity and giving the child simple instructions to follow in order to resume. After the child shows you that they know starting their highly preferred activity requires some response on their part, and they're willing to give you a response that you can start to ask for your first verbal imitations. You look into the child's eyes and say, say, ah, if that's the target you choose to start with. Then continue to look at the child with what I call an expectant look. This is a look that tries to tell the child that you're now waiting for them to give you a response. The problem is the child probably has no idea what that response that you're waiting for might be. Uh, they're likely to give you a nonverbal indication that they want you to start the fun activity again. They might pull on you or wave to you or indicate in other ways that it's time for them to start playing again. However, you will not respond by returning to the play, but will instead keep that expectant look and occasionally, but not too often, repeat the sound for them to echo. This delay of reinforcement and not responding to the child's nonverbal attempts are likely to build up a little bit of frustration in the child. But this is okay. In fact, it's likely a necessary ingredient in the process. It isn't until they see that you're not going to quickly respond to their non-vocal responses that they will consider trying something new. If this new thing they try is to make a sound that you're looking for, well, great. That's something we want to reinforce uh, immediately and strongly. However, there is a good chance that in their attempts, 
to get you to restart the fun activity. Any sound that you hear will not be a replication of the target sound that you're making, but just some form of frustrated release of tension with a gasp, a grunt, or even a loud exhale. Where language programs might fail is that they won't see these non-word sounds as progress and usually won't reinforce them. However, we need to remember the goal here is to teach the child that the word say, followed by this expected look, is the signal that we want them to make a vocal sound. So even if a child were to burp or hiccup, at this stage, I would likely immediately stop and reinforce the child saying something like, yes, good, good job saying ah. Remember, behavior that is reinforced is likely to be repeated. And even though I didn't get the ah sound that I was hoping for, I did get some vocal sound. And if I reinforce it, I will become more likely to get more vocal sounds in the future. So reinforcing this first sound, this first vocal sound, whatever it is, is very important in the beginning. And once my child begins to see uh, that my look of expectation, along with the use of the words say, ah, as a signal, that reinforcement will come if they make some kind of a mouth sound, I can begin to then shape that sound that they make through differential reinforcement of the types of sounds that they try over successive practice trials. Always being immediately willing to stop and reinforce any sound that gets closer and closer to the sound that I'm making after the word say or in this case, the ah sound. One of the things that I found is that if a child has a tongue and is able to formulate sound in any capacity, I can get them to understand that there is value in trying their best to make the sound that I make after the word say. If in the beginning, I don't get a sound from the mouth that I can reinforce, I don't want to hold out for too long so that the child loses interest in the reinforcer and in me. So after several attempts to getting them to make a sound, if I don't get one, I'll change to another instruction that I'm pretty sure the child can do without too much trouble. And then I'll reinforce that response with more of the fun activity and try again later. The goal overall here is to get the child properly motivated and willing to try anything they can think of after you've given them the instruction to say the sound and for you to be ready to respond with reinforcement as soon as you get any verbal or even any mouth sound. As soon as you get the first sound and reinforce it, responding with a sound of some sort should be more likely to occur again. And before you know it, the child will begin making this vocal or mouth sound regularly whenever you give them the instruction. Then you can start the process of shaping that sound by more regularly and strongly reinforcing sounds that are closer to the target until the sound we are getting matches up with that target sound that we've been asking for. So after shaping the sound, we should begin to regularly get the target sound we've been asking for. At this time, we can change our target sound from say, ah, to perhaps say, oh. And then we begin to shape the sound we get towards the O oh sound. And as soon as we get the sound O, oh, we then begin to differentiate between our requests for the two sounds. Can we get the ah sound when we request ah, and can we get the o oh sound when we request o? Oh? And as soon as we can, we begin to introduce and shape towards a third sound, and so on and so on. The goal here would then be to get the child to be able to accurately imitate all of the common vowel sounds. After that, we have to start targeting the easiest individual consonant sounds like t, d, p, b, m, and eventually the more challenging consonant sounds like g, k, n, and r. At this point, we'll begin to combine the known consonant sounds with known vowel sounds to be able to produce sounds like ta, to, te, ti, tau, and then pa, po, pi, pe, pao, etc. The goal 
here is to be able to get all of the differing consonant vowel sounds under echoic control. I want to be able to ask the child to say pa and get a pa, say toe and get a toe, say me and get a me. And when this is successful, we can begin to target combinations of these sounds, such as pa, po, pe, pi, and then mix the consonants in with different combinations. For example, pi, me, tu, ma, it doesn't really matter. We can start to mix these sounds all together until the child is capable of imitating just about any combination that we make. At this point, we would start working on the more difficult consonant blends, such as sh, br, bl, dr, cr, and cl and mix them in with the different vowel sounds as well. Now, realize that in today's podcast, I am taking you through that vocal imitation or coic portion of the process. Now, at the same time that we're developing the ability to imitate these increasingly more complex sounds on request, we will also need to be teaching the child the power of communication. And the power of communication is best taught through teaching children a way to ask for the things that they want to have to do, or to know. In the science of verbal behavior, this function of language is called the mand. So next week, we will discuss the manding development portion of the process of teaching a pre-vocal child to begin to speak. But before I go, I wanted to share with you this classic video of me teaching a young man age 16 to say his first word through the verbal imitation process that I detailed for you today. Now, it's not a demonstration of perfect teaching, and there are certainly some things I would do differently today but it does show how powerful motivated verbal imitation training can be when you follow the procedure that I laid out for you in our podcast today. The child was one of my German clients, but the language used is simple to follow. So let's watch my video with Daniel so that you can see how the beginning vocal imitation phase of learning how to talk might look for you. (laughs) Daniel. Das ist schon mal toll, dass er Was müsstest du? Musik. Ba, 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 
offering all families interested free online workshop to help them understand three very important perspective shifts that they need to make to help get their kids to cooperate with their important instructions without ever resorting to raising their voice, yelling, or nagging their children. It is available right now on my website, just7steps.com forward slash workshop. It is called How to Get Your Kids to Listen Without Raising Your Voice and Nagging. And it is available whenever you have the time to sit down and watch. We're also offering our Just 7 Steps online course, A Family's Path to Progress, with a try before you buy and a full money back offer. So you can get access to my flagship course and watch the first two modules before deciding if you even want to pay for anything at all. And we are offering a free expert call and membership to our online private members only community and my two mini courses, how to limit screen time and get your kids more active and the ultimate motivation plan for improving your child's behavior in school. Absolutely free, just for trying the Just 7 Steps course. Well, more details and a ton of helpful advice in our free workshop and on the website. So go to just7steps.com forward slash workshop or forward slash course for more details. And remember, if your goal is to help your child who is currently not speaking to learn how to talk, there are two main areas of attack we need to take. The first is to teach a child how to respond appropriately to an increasingly difficult level of verbal limitation requests, such as we detailed today, and to teach the child the power of communication through man training, which we will cover in depth next week on the Just 7 Steps podcast. Make sure you take a moment to like, subscribe, and comment so you don't miss any of our incredible content. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on the Just 7 Steps podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a moment to leave me a comment, give a thumbs up, share the video with others, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you won't miss out on any of our Just 7 Steps videos designed to help parents of children with challenges find your family's path to progress. See you right here next week.